0: you would uh, go ahead and turn with me to Judges chapter 12. I want to look at the first three verses tonight. I had intended to try to cover the first six, but it was just uh, too much. And the more I looked at these uh, first three verses, uh, I saw there's a needful lesson here. So Judges chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said unto Jephthah, Wherefore passest thou over to fight against the children of Ammon, and did not call us to go with thee? We'll we'll burn mine house upon thee with fire. Now this wasn't just a minor dispute. They were at the height of pride and envy. They were consumed with jealousy. They were ready to kill Jephthah over it. You know, the Ammonites represent sin. All the enemies of God in the Old Testament Scriptures represent our enemy of sin. That's our greatest enemy. Sin, Satan, and self. Three S's. And the men of Ephraim, who were of the nation of Israel, they were upset that they didn't receive any glory for the victory over the Ammonites. And when you think about it, it's it's no different today. Uh, men desire some recognition for the removal of sin. By nature, mankind wants credit for themselves. That's why we have all the denominations that we have today, and everyone, but the one that preaches the true gospel is works-based. It's based upon something that they do, some righteousness that they provide. And they are very... uh, Well, they get upset when you disagree with them. It was and is nothing but wretched ingratitude. Men get upset when they don't get any credit or any glory. So much so that they were ready to burn down Jephthah's house with him in it. They said, why didn't you call us? And look what Jephthah says in verse 2. And Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon. And we're at great strife with our sin, aren't we? And he said, and when I called you, you delivered me not out of their hands. Ephraim was, as I said, jealous, a didn't get to participate in the battle for one reason only, for the glory of the victory. Jethus said, I called you. You had an opportunity to help me. And friends, I was thinking we once had an opportunity to be faithful to the law of God and our father Adam, but we failed in him, our federal head, who ignored the only one law that God gave him. You know, men talk about keeping the law of God. You know, I've heard silly things uh, like, well, I'm, I, I've am kept most of them or I've kept eight of the ten or whatever. God gave Adam, who was created in the image of God Himself, one commandment and He couldn't keep it. Not one. And you and I have never kept God's law. We, In order to be kept, it's got to be kept perfectly. And we've got to keep every law perfectly and we can't do that we know we can't so now they're fighting mad because they couldn't share in the glory with those that felt to they felt to be inferior to them and it's he, they don't deny it if you remember in judges chapter 8 the men of ephraim had done the same thing to Gideon we're close just turn back to chapter 8 for a minute and look at verse 1 you remember this and the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus? That thou callest us not? You didn't call us when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites, and they did chide with them sharply. I was thinking, what a picture of false religion this is! It's this seems to be. It's called a modus op, operandi. It's abbreviated with as Mo. <laughs> That's their M.O. You've heard people say that. It's their habitual way of operating. It seems to be the case with Ephraim. It's man's natural M.O. too. Our Lord died centuries ago securing the salvation of His elect. However, almost immediately men began to claim that they had a part in their salvation according to their will, their decision, or their works. It's their M.O. It's our M.O. by nature to want to share in the glory of God. And it's nothing more than accusing Christ of not allowing them to have a part in their salvation. The source of such is is man's pride. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And look at what Jephthah's response is, verse 3. And when I saw that you delivered me not, you weren't willing to help, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. (laughs) Wherefore then you are come up unto me this day to fight against me, And friends, this is a telltale sign of whether men and women know God or if they don't. In the matter of salvation, does man get the credit or does God? In the matter of salvation, in the matter of redemption, does God get the glory or does man? Do professing believers exalt themselves and desire to be exalted? Or do they exalt God and acknowledge that the salvation of sinners is God's glory and His alone? Now this is not just a matter of uh, difference of opinions. Over and over again throughout the Old Testament Scriptures, God delivered Israel and it seems like every time He did, all they thought about was themselves. God made it. Did a miraculous delivery, and they, within just a short time, they'd be complaining about the food and the water, and you know, you you brought you brought us out here in the wilderness for us to die, and that's a picture of us. That's a picture of us. There's no uh, people. uh, People are entitled by nature. They just feel entitled. And only God can make a sinner otherwise. There's no wonder that in the day of judgment, people are going to stand before God and say, haven't we, haven't we done many wonderful works? You know, when you think about that, what a what a thing to say when you consider what your true works are. But when you listen to folks closely, they talk a great deal about themselves. They talk about their faith. They talk about their faithfulness. They talk about their giving. They talk about their works. But they talk very little about all that God has done. That's a telltale sign. They're jealous of God's glory, not jealous for God's glory. There's a big difference. Two opposite things, really. They talk about the great things themse- they themselves do, not about the great things that God hath done. And I say again, it's a telltale sign. Is, is salvation something we deserve? Most folks think so. Do we deserve some credit in being saved? Or do we see that we deserve nothing but death, wrath, eternal condemnation? Do we see the salvation as a gift of mercy and love and grace given to us? Or do we desire to share in the credit of redemption? All of us by nature want to receive some recognition, some praise, some credit for the work we perform. That's true in our everyday lives when it comes to our jobs. Everyone wants to be acknowledged for a job well done. I used to have a boss who was not quick to give compliments or praise, and he always said, if you do a good job, your paycheck will be the recognition and the praise you get. (laughs) And, you know, really, I, I appreciated that because men get paid to do a good job. But recognition and credit we also yearn for. We all do. A little pat on the back doesn't hurt, but I sometimes wonder it may hurt more than we think. And that's why this is a telltale sign, because the matter of, in the matter of salvation, we don't get any. We don't get none. We get none, and that's why men by nature hate the true gospel, because God gets all the glory and recognition and all the all the credit, and we don't get any. <laughs> Not a particle. As professing believers, do our lives express more love and longing for recognition and glory? Or do we love the fact that God deserves all of it? God's people uh, love the fact that God gets all the glory. Amen. He, did, he, he, he accomplished it. We didn't do anything. We've said this often. One of the greatest battles of our sinful nature is the desire to be our own God. Men by nature love the praise of men. But we deserve nothing but the wrath of God. Anything besides that is mercy and and grace. The grace of God. Are the decisions we make driven by what others think or by what God thinks? In our Lord's day, many among the chief rulers believed on Christ, but the Scripture says "But because of the Pharisees, they didn't confess Him. Why? Because they didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. Why did they fear being put out of the synagogue? He tells us, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They met together in the synagogue, and oh, Rabbi Johnson and Rabbi Jones, oh, you know, just, you're so spiritual, you're so holy. Men love that. Christ said, take heed that you do not your alms, your good works, your charity before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. The Lord added in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, "...and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are." Those who do things to be seen of men are just that. They're hypocrites. "...for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets." That they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Speaking of the Pharisees, the Lord said in Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 5, But all their works they do to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries. Now, phylacteries, in case you don't know, in Jewish practice, it was a small black leather. Uh, Cube-shaped case that they put on their garments, containing text of the law written on parchment, which was to be reminder of reminders of God and His law. And the Pharisees' phylacteries would be stuffed so full that this parchment's hanging out the the cracks in the in the phylactery, and it, and it was ordered uh, for men to to be seen of men and make them seem more holy and spiritual. They would even, Christ said, make broader their garments so their phylacteries could be bigger and hold more. And it's the same today with those in religion who wear religious robes and collars. Does it make them more holy? Of course not. Christ is our only holiness before God. The Pharisees loved the uttermost rooms at feasts. They... they, uh, Uh, The chief seats in the synagogues, they love to be greeted in the marketplace and to be called a man rabbi. But God's people, they don't desire to be recognized or given spiritual titles. (laughs) For one is their master, even Christ, and they are His brethren. What higher title could we possess than to be called Christ's brethren? To be called His children. There's no higher title. There's no greater garment than the garment of Christ's perfect righteousness. And it's ours. <laughs> We're not in need of impressing anyone. We didn't do anything to impress anyone. Our Lord did. We just proclaim what He's done. And, and chosen sinners will be impressed with Him. No greater honor or glory than to be called the children of God. There's a passage in the book of Job I want you to look at. Hold your place here in Judges 12. And turn there with me. Job chapter 19 verse 9. Job 19 verse 9. Look at this. Very short verse. It says, Multitudes. Here in Job 19.9, Job says this. Speaking of God, he says, He hath stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. That's what the Gospel does. It strips man of his glory. It takes the crown from his head, their head. And that's where we have to be brought, friends. It was then that Job said this, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. God's people who have been stripped of their glory and taken their imagined crown from their head, they're not interested in talking about what they've done. They're not interested in any of God's glory. They're interested in the glory of God and they're jealous for the glory of God, not of it. Has God stripped you of any glory? Has God removed the crown from your head? If you belong to Him, He has, or you will. There's still enough arrogance in all of us to send us to hell a thousand times. But the child of God knows that God is stripping us day in and day out. And the only crown of glory we possess is the crown of King Jesus, our King of kings and our Lord of Lords. Amen. Not looking for crowns up in heaven. I'd be looking for scars. God doesn't owe us anything. It would cease to be grace if he did. A trooper we believer proclaims with David, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, be glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. That's what we glory in, the truth of God. Now, back in Judges chapter 12, verse 3, again, Jephthah said, When I saw that you delivered me not, that you could not and you would not help me. He said, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon. I went against sin, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Wherefore then are you come up unto me this day to fight against me? Now Jetha here uh, is a is a type of Christ. He says, I put my life in my hands. Not yours, but mine. And isn't that what Christ did when He came into the world? He took on the responsibility of His elect people. He took on the responsibility to defeat our enemy, sin, Satan, and even self. And He took on the responsibility of delivering the people of God. And that's just what He did. We couldn't do it. (laughs) Only God could and only God can are you going to fight against me for proclaiming that it was the Lord that delivered the enemy into my hands yet to see it? you going to burn my house down with me in it because I'm telling you the truth? That's what the Lord said one time. Are you, are you, you, Do you hate me because I tell you... Paul said, are you going to hate me because... Do you hate me because I tell you the truth? Well, you tell folks the truth and... The ones that don't believe the truth and they'll, they'll burn your house down with you in it, in their hearts. Are you so starved for recognition and glory that you would desire to kill me? And the answer sadly is an astounding yes. The Lord said they'll put you out of the synagogue, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he does God's service. They'll kick you out of their denomination desiring to kill you, burn you alive in your own house in their hearts if they could. And some may say, well, that seems a bit harsh, Brother David. Well, the Bible's even harsher then because that's what the Lord Himself said. The natural heart is so desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. If God let us go, we'd kill man and God alike. And our Lord also said, If you were of the world, the world, including the religious world, would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You can expect that, Adele. You can expect people to hate you, even your own family, for your love of Christ. Our Lord was the only man that was ever in control of his own destiny. He came to the world to put His life in His own hands. And friends, He put our life in His hands too. And I wouldn't have it any other way. That's the best play, place for, for us to be because no man can pluck us out of His hand. Aren't you glad you're in His hands? And no room or reason for us to glory is there. May God be pleased to make us jealous for the glory that's due Him. Mm -hmm. Who gets the glory? To God be the glory. Put all your trust in His finished work. The psalmist said, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. Now I have an interest in who the next president is going to be. I have some... uh, uh, Things that are uh, important to me, but listen. Ultimately, my hand, my I am in God's hand, Amen. and I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. We don't put our trust in princes or presidents or in men of of any kind in whom there's no help. Jephthah said, "The Lord delivered me." <laughs> the Lord said in Isaiah 42 verse 8, "I'm the Lord." That is my name, and my glory I will not give to another. God is jealous for His glory, and we're jealous for Him to have it. God's people are. And that's why this this thing of man's free will and man's works uh, of so-called righteousness are, are just evil. Because it's an attempt for us to contribute... In our salvation and the glory of it, and if I if I have to contribute to my salvation, I that, that just takes away any hope or assurance that I have because I can't do anything to save myself. Don't you like the fact that salvations of the Lord? No, we love it, don't we? You remember what Hannah said? We talked about it a little bit. Uh, Sunday. Talk no more exceedingly proudly. Let not your arrogancy come out of your mouth. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled and see that they have. Speaking of God's meek and broken people are girded with strength. And what is more arrogant than for man to glory in anything for that matter? To require something for me to be saved is to rob me of my salvation and to rob God of His glory. I can't do anything to save myself. Only Christ can put my sin away. Therefore, I, I don't deserve to receive any glory. Now the Ephraimites only have one reason to be angry with Jetha. They didn't get to share in the glory. Now you can whittle it down any way you want to, but that's the bottom line. Why didn't you call us? Jesus said, I did call you. You wouldn't help me. And now that the battle is over, now that the victory is won, now that the enemy has been defeated, they're mad because they didn't get to share in the glory. Does that sound familiar? Christ has put His people's sin away. Christ defeated our enemy. And people want to share in the glory. Men proclaim salvations of the Lord, but God wants and needs me to participate in what He's done in order for me to be saved, I hear him say. It's the same as saying, you can't strip me of my glory. It's the same as saying, you can't take the crown off my head. Oh, yes, He can. And for His people, He does. And what an arrogant thing to think that we deserve glory. You know, the gospel, what we're doing tonight, preaching the gospel, is what keeps believers humble. Because we hear again about the greatness of God and the wickedness of ourselves. And we know what we deserve. In our hearts, we know what we deserve. And we say, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name. You get all the glory. You did all the work. Salvation's of the Lord. Ephraim, no doubt, felt entitled. I'm certain that he always had. As you know, he was the younger son that Jacob switched hands on and gave him the birthright. And uh, I suppose his descendants here are no different. That's what they've been taught. That's why it's so important for us to teach our children from an early age that Christ is all. Can't start too young. What a picture we have here of all the religions of the world that are set here to gather themselves together. They all have one thing in common. They want to share in God's glory. And I intend to be redundant because this is the focus of of this study. And it's a telltale sign that they're wrong. The message is wrong. Their gospel is false. It's not just, a, a, as I said earlier, not just a difference in opinion. It's a difference in God's. It's a difference in Gospels. The Gospel takes away our glory and it removes the crown from our head. And all the religions of the world want some credit in the saving of themselves. That was Ephraim's problem. And that's still the problem with religion the religion of the world today. David said, why do the heathen rage? What are they upset about? What are they raging about? Why do people imagine a vain thing? He said the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. What do they take counsel together about? Against the Lord. Against the Lord. To claim that I have a free will is against the Lord. Against His anointing. They have one thing in common. They want the glory for themselves and you might ask, was well, that really an important issue? Listen to me. It's a matter of life and death. That's right. They say, let, let us break their bands asunder. Do you know that word band? bands means restraint imposed by authority? They said, let us cast away their cords from us. The word cords means interlaced or twisted together. The believers interlaced and twisted together with Christ is one. There's no righteousness or glory apart from being one with Him. And when men endeavor to take the glory of their salvation for themselves, they're casting away Christ's cords. And they're breaking asunder the bands of His authority. When men strive to take the credit for salvation, they're breaking away from Christ, and what they're saying is, I will not have that man to rule over me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have him to reign over me. And this, my friends, is serious business. It's worthy of our time to look at tonight. Those who desire glory will not inherit eternal life. There's no salvation, no glory other than the substitution, satisfaction, and sacrifice of Christ who was sent by God to put away our sin by the sacrifice of Himself. It's an attempt to rob God of the glory that rightly belongs to Him alone. You know, when men and women proclaim to participate in their salvation, what they're saying is this, is I won't be bound by this union with Christ. I'm going to break these bands. I'm going to cast away these cords. I'm not going to be under authority. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. Sorry, Mr. Sinatra, and sorry, Elvis. But we don't do it our way. We do it God's way or no way at all. Jethro said, I and my people were in great strife with the children of Ammon, representing sin. He said, you couldn't help. Only one can. The God-man. The one whom God sent to put away my sin. And our Lord and Savior, the substitute for His people, was in great strife for our sin. That's what Jethro said. He said, me and my people were in great strife against the Ammonites. We are in great strife against sin. All of it was laid upon Him. All the sin of all God's people throughout the generations of time, were put on Him, God's people, not the whole world, and so much strife that our Lord said to His Father, If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And in that same passage, Luke 22, verse 44, and being in agony... He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, hear me on this. The agony our Lord experienced came before the whip was ever applied to his back. This agony came before the crown of thorns were ever put upon his head. This agony was before the nails were ever driven into His hands and His feet, before the spear ever pierced His side. This agony and this strife came when our sin was placed upon Him. What strife? What agony? Where is there any glory for us in that? All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath, now listen, laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the most glorious thing a sinner could ever hear. All my sin, the sin I could do nothing about, the sin that I could not put away, was laid upon him, and he put it away for me. And that's our message. And we don't glory in it. And Jephthah again, as a type of Christ, said in verse 2, I and my people. That just stood out to me. Were a great strife. Jephthah fought the Ammonites for his people. But yet his union was such with his people that he included himself. He said, I and my people. <laughs> so it is with our great Jephthah. Jetha means. He will open. (laughs) Only Christ could open the way of eternal life for us. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may, may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christ died the just for the unjust to bring us to God. He's the just one, we're the unjust. That's what God says. And God's people have been made to see it and they've been made to agree with it and they don't want any of the glory for it. What glory do they deserve? Christ, the just one, died to bring the unjust to God. Over 200 times in the Scriptures, God refers to His children as my people. (laughs) My people. Pharaoh, let my people go. You better let them go. God says, And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. Isaiah thirty two eighteen. Our Lord was taken from prison. The word prison there means distress. Our Lord was taken from distress and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people. Was he stricken? Isaiah fifty three eight. Now, do we have any right to share in the glory of that? A lot of folks get mad. Do these glory seekers affect God in any way? No. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. He will speak to them in His wrath and vex trouble them in His sore displeasure. Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. Lest God be angry. In other words, bow to Christ. If not, you'll perish from the way. Our only hope of redemption is that Christ got the victory by Himself. We add nothing but leaven that leavens the whole loaf when we try to add something to it. We add nothing to the wondrous salvation accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, Jetha has come home. <laughs> and all these people are going to go with him after him or no one else is going to stand in his way, as we'll see in the next study. And it's important for us to learn we're not victims. We're guilty. We're to blame. We can't blame anyone but ourselves for our sin. We can't fix our condition. No matter how we try. No matter what we do. We can't fix it. That's seen and. Cain, who offered a a work of his own hands. God accepts only a blood sacrifice. We're guilty and Christ has already fixed it. He's defeated the Ammonites. He's defeated our sin. And we rejoice and we give Him all the glory. We don't want to share in His glory. We're jealous for His glory, not jealous of it. God's glory is this. He'll have mercy on whom he'll have mercy. And then what he told Moses? Lord, show me your glory. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. And on whom he has mercy, he saves. And thanks be to God that he has mercy on some. (laughs) And that some is going to bow to his glory alone. They're not going to want any for themselves. Christ said to those who won't, He said, I come to you. You rejected me. So I took life into my own hands. And when we saw that, he, that we could not deliver ourselves from sin, we put our life in His hands. That's what trusting in Christ is. And some will continue to fight to no avail. Like the men of Ephraim, they'll perish. Deliverance is the Lord's work alone. And he receives all the glory. Christ is God's glory. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves.